dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. Ever feel like leadership is a real burden to you? I wanted today's reflection to look at the burden of the leader. Look at what Joseph, St. Joseph, shows us about how anxiety and difficulty actually spur us on to an ownership that allows God to do his great work. And how we deal with anxiety and, and our way of carrying it through actually helps us to realize that daring something great for Christ is a privilege and an honor. This is the first part of a series of talks that I'm going to be giving on St. Joseph, Biblical Model for Modern Leaders. Well, I'm so happy to be able to talk with you today. And let me just say, it's, it's, uh, it's always special to be able to speak about St. Joseph, especially when you think, you know, <laughs> to be able to speak about the husband of the Virgin Mary. You know, so we definitely want to ask for her help uh, this day as we try to do that so that we don't do it, of course, uh, incorrectly. Let's begin then with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Blessed Mother, as we try to meditate today on this special call to be a leader in the context of evangelization and in the context of our mission in the world today, we ask you to help us to speak well of St. Joseph, your husband. May our words be full of the truth of God, and may your guidance and your presence be with us as we Try to meditate on his life. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Joseph, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I want to begin my series here with you talking about how Joseph, St. Joseph, the great St. Joseph, actually typifies for us and exemplifies what God is calling us to as leaders today. And I know that that might strike you as being a bit odd, right? Because Joseph, of course, there's not a lot about him in the Bible, or so you might think. Uh, he kind of comes in and out. He, he doesn't say anything throughout scriptures. He's silent. And so we say, well, what, what exactly, how does this help me in my modern situation where I've got media and I've got employees and I've got stress and I've got anxiety? How does this possibly help me to move forward? Wouldn't a better model for Catholic greatness be, I don't know, some sort of president or some sort of, you know, great business leader? And I just say, of course, you know, all those things are good. But St. Joseph has a special place because his greatness in the Bible was underscored as necessary in God's plan for salvation of the world. 
And therefore, when we look at the way that he was summoned to greatness, we see that, I mean, like next to the Virgin Mary, he had the greatest proximity with the incarnate word. And so like looking at his life and trying to understand it, we can come to a better grip of, well, what light God is giving us as we try. See, in in when you're looking at, at examples in faith and we're, we're looking for inspiration, the idea is that the closer you are to the source, the closer you are to Christ, the fuller and more impactful your life becomes. That's why we don't look necessarily at the people who are doing the most uh, for Christ as our example, but we look at the ones who are closest to him in heart. And what Joseph was for him in heart, of course, being his foster father, is absolutely singular and unique, and there's no one else on earth who did that role. And then number two, what he did as the foster father of Christ, I mean, bringing, providing for him in his birth, bringing him into Egypt, protecting him and providing for him, and giving the shelter and the structure to the Virgin Mary so that she could have intimacy with Christ. I'm sorry, but there's a lot in here to unpack, and I really want to do that with you. And so what we're going to do in this series, I want to, I want to meditate with you about how just how relevant Joseph actually is and what he went through in his life, how that actually reveals how we are to live as a Catholic leader engaged in our world. Because the same situations Joseph's facing, we're going to face just in a different way. I absolutely promise you this. God's word is relevant. It says in the letter of the Hebrews that his word is like a two-edged sword. It's living and active. Um, There's a freshness to this. And so let's bring this out uh, looking at it together. If you just take a look in the gospel of Matthew chapter 1, this is Matthew 1 verses 18 through 25 you have the first of the presentations of Joseph. And what a presentation it is, it describes to us a little bit about who this guy is and what makes him great. And so if we, if we read it together, right? Now, is the, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. And so when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So this is obviously where the, everything begins, right? And so let me lay this out, and then what we're going to see is actually this is an exact pattern for what we are living through uh, a lot of times as leaders engaged in a great work for our world. First, the first part of this, there's three different parts in this. The first, it kind of describes the situation and it describes the natural greatness of Joseph. And then from there, it goes on to speak about the dilemma and the anxiety that Joseph is facing. And then it speaks about how he resolves it. All right. So in the beginning, let's take a look at this first. What makes Joseph so great? 
The greatness of Joseph is described. The birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. So that's, of course, the whole context of the life of Joseph is in the context of Christ and his birth. It's amazing. If you think about it, when the Bible and when God presents Joseph, it doesn't say Joseph was born and he walked through the woods and he, you know, hunted muskrat somewhere in the, the cricks of Northwest Ohio. This is not what he says. It says, it says, in the context of the coming of Jesus, Jesus is the name which means God saves. And so this is how the birth of the Savior, of the God who saves, came about. In that context, right there, you have the mission of Joseph. His greatness, in other words, is not from where he comes. It's from where he's going. The purpose of his life. There's an immediate way for us to think about that in our own perspective. A lot of us want to look back and say, we're great because of where we went to school, or we're great because of where we live, or we're great because of the job that we have. No, our greatness is in what God is going to do with us. Our framework of our life and where we enter in as a leader is in fulfilling that great plan that God has for us. This is our first step, and then there's going to be more. And this first step of positioning my life, ask yourself this question, what is God trying to do with my leadership? Where do I fit in? And the perspective of his greater plan for my family, for the church, and for the world. And that perspective, we can then take the other following steps. We'll look at those in just a little second here. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. When Scripture has actually situated Joseph, that his life is in perspective of this birth of Jesus Christ, so the Savior, the Anointed One, the Messiah, King, Jesus, the, the, the Savior, Christos in, in Greek, meaning the Anointed, like the King, uh, the Messiah, King. In this perspective, Joseph, then, his, his life unfolds. And so the very next thing it says, listen to this, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, I, we got to talk about the greatness of this, of this, of this fellow here. I mean, the, the story of his soul, I think, will never really fully be sung because Joseph's life is absolutely marked by one amazing fact. The Virgin Mary thought enough of him to betroth herself to him. I just wanted you to think about who Mary was and then you can understand a little bit about who this man must have been. I mean, if we even think in our own life, just how proud we are of our wives and how we, our wives really kind of reflect a, a lot about who we are. You know, you tell me who your friends are and I'll tell you who you are. What must Joseph have been like if his wife was the Virgin Mary? I mean, again, we, we look at her and we say, I mean, she was immaculate in soul. And the immaculate creature of God took refuge in the heart and in the life of this man. 
somehow she had to esteem, if they were going to be married, she had to have esteemed him worthy of enough confidence to choose him as her spouse. Of all of the men in the world and of all of the places where she could have gone, this dove of God, the cleft of the rock that she chose to hide herself in for this greatest of missions, which is, of course, to give birth to the Savior, was Joseph. And that means that the, this, this betrothal, of course, took place even before Mary was found to be pregnant. So it wasn't just Mary who had chose Joseph, it was God. God knowing what he was doing in, in, in incarnating himself in Christ and knowing what he was doing and choosing Mary as the place of that incarnation before the incarnation took place, betrothed, allowed Mary to take that shelter in the heart of Joseph. The greatness of Joseph's life and of his heart is what God was doing with him, even beyond what he could have known. Our lives are not finished until they come to their completion in God. And only then will we really know the content of the story. Until then, God is writing that book. And it's so tempting for us as leaders, right, to want to control that and want to say, this is the content of my greatness. This is, this is the, where I'm going for. This is why I live. Because we have to. We're driven by purposes and we're driven by goals and we're driven by objectives that we have to achieve. And here's Joseph saying, like, the goal that I had to achieve, I was not even aware of. My real goal was to be there as the place where the Immaculate Virgin Mary could deliver forth the Messiah of the world. And all I thought I was doing was marrying her, you know, and that God was doing much greater than that. How neat for us to say, yes, I do my daily duties and I do them well, but I never limit the action or the greatness of my life to what I do. I, I look for that perspective and need to ask myself, what is God doing through it? The real perspective of my life is that I've got to slog up that hill and I've got to get out there every day and make it happen. But there's a greater song that's being sung with the music that I'm writing. And that's what God's going to do with it. And then this unfolds in Joseph. He's betrothed to Mary, who then is found to be with child by the Holy Spirit, verse 18. So all of a sudden, he finds his life taking a new dimension. Now, there's a lot to be said about this, right? Was Joseph actually thinking he was going to divorce her because Mary must have somehow or other violated the law? This would have been, I think, completely not in, in character. There's no way that St. Joseph could have suspected Mary of having violated God's law. There must be something deeper here. And we find where that deep, that, that, that depth comes. The angel comes to Joseph and says, do not be afraid. It was fear that was limiting Joseph. It wasn't that he suspected Mary of wrongdoing. It was that he knew and came to the conclusion of what must have really happened here. Because when the angel says that what the problem is, he says it's fear. Joseph, do not fear. Joseph is paralyzed. He starts with this natural greatness of being called by God to do his duty, to betroth this wonderful wife and to take her into himself and then at the, unto himself. And then at the same time, to, to hide her, etc. And then God reveals to him that his life is much greater than he thought it could be or should be. How many times this happens to us? 
You know, like we, 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 it, I think that our real limitation is not the, the, the problems or the challenges that we face. Our real challenge is to accept the ultimate greatness that God's calling us for. So many times, right, we, we, we want to say kind of like, look, this is all I'm for. I'm here to run a business. I'm here to start an initiative. I'm here to manage a company. I'm here to help people to feel better about themselves. And we want to limit that perspective, right, because that's what we're called to do. And we just want to put our boots on the ground and make this happen. What, what, what would we be doing if God suddenly stepped in and said, I called you for much more than this? That I didn't call you not to do that. I want you to be the salt of the earth. I want you to be right there at that desk. I want you to be right there at that computer. But I want you to realize that you're there for a much greater purpose. My glory, my light, my love. I want my love to go through what your interactions with your employees. I want you to build them up in me without necessarily saying my name. That's one, that's a whole different situation. But I want you to never think that your life is there just in order to make this world go round. You're there in order to bring my kingdom into this world. That can fill us with fear. After all, who are we? Immediately, all of our sinfulness, all of our, our failures can come in. All these voices saying where we have failed and where we shouldn't strive to dare these great things, this greatest thing, this greatest of mission. We want to trade in the greatness that God's calling us to, his greatness, for something that we can measure in an earthly way. My friends, we, we can't let this happen. Why? Because we're not called for this earth. We are Christians who are bound for heaven. Do we let our hearts be seized with fear like Joseph? Do we allow our, our, our souls to kind of freeze up and say no? Like Adam, who rejected that incredible upward, upward call in the garden? Or do we submit ourselves to say, yeah, this earth and its greatness, they're the training grounds for the, my heart which is made for an even greater glory, that of what God is going to do with my life. And then like Joseph, we open ourselves beyond our fears to that greatness of that call. My friends, this is our challenge. This is our call. And when we do, his light starts to shine through us and we start to accomplish that greatest of mission, sharing the gospel through and in our actions and through and in our service to this world. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. So this puts us really then right at the heart of what Joseph is, is struggling with, right? Like all of a sudden, what's he going to do? Right, because so he, it says, and this is, it's, it's neat, right? That Joseph, her husband, the verse 19, being a just man, okay? In Greek, that's dikaios. Dikaios, uh, it, it means that he is what he ought to be. Dikaios. It's, a, it's an incredible word. To be just, it doesn't just mean that he was fair. It's, it's a question of integrity and character in the Greek. He is what he ought to be. And that means that he was God-fearing and trying his best to implement what God wanted. Well, when you look at the Old Testament, it says that if someone violated their betrothal, you should divorce her and the person would then be stoned, 
right? As it's, it's actually considered as an, an act of adultery, even though they're not married. Such was the strength of what the betrothal, the word betrothal carries in that culture. So Mary being found with child would meant that she would have, of course, you know, uh, violated somehow that law because they were with child before pregnancy or before marriage. You're pregnant before marriage. So what, what's Joseph supposed to do? He knows. And again, I'm going to hold this firmly. I mean, you can think all kinds of different things that come from the scriptures, but this one, I mean, he knows that Mary never would have sinned in that way, which means he had to have come to logical conclusion that this came from God. And yet according to the law, what was he to do? I mean, again, there wasn't like some sort of like little, you could call up on the phone, right? Hello, I'd like to know what I'm supposed to do here. And then they would say, well, this is what you should do. He had to pray. I think it's so cool because again, for so many of us in our lives, we're in situations right now. We do not know what we are to do. And you can't really ask advice. You try to ask advice, you get multiple, you know, multiple different opinions. And no one's willing to own those opinions. That's the great solitude of the leader. You're like, gosh, I wish I could say, I'm going to pay you. You're going to give me your opinion that I'm going to hide behind you, right? <laughs> if only I could do that. Or if I could ask your opinion, then I could just say, it was your opinion I followed. No, when you're the leader, you have to assume the responsibility for what you are and what you're doing. And there's Joseph saying, I need to resume the responsibility before God. What does God's law tell me to do? The very first thing he does is he goes back and he consults the word of God. And he finds there something that troubles him. He's supposed to stone her. He can't stone Mary, right? Like that would have been a big mistake, right? And he knows this and he has to follow his conscience, say, no, I can't do that. Well, then what's his other option? Well, it's to divorce her by a written bill of divorce. Well, he's not going to do that either because that would expose her to public shame. I mean, and so he makes this other resolution to put her away quietly, to separate himself from her quietly, meaning, and the word, word in Greek has a link to in secret, right? Like without public display. And that shows us where this becomes problematic. He's faced with a crisis of conscience and there's no one who can decide but him. And he is fully responsible for what he decides. My friends, doesn't this sound familiar? Sometimes there's this regret that comes into our hearts. Why am I even daring something great for Christ? Why, why did I dare something great at all? I should have just stayed hidden under a rock. <laughs> but you know, if you think about it, that's even not true, right? Because when you look at your employees, don't you look at the employee who takes responsibility as someone that you want to promote and move up higher? When you're working in groups and you're managing that soccer team, you know, don't you love it when your fellow volunteers step up to the plate and they say, I want to carry this with you? There's a laudable part of the soul to claim responsibility and ownership. And here we see Joseph pondering on his bed. How will I own this? And he, it actually in Greek, the two verbs are special there. It says resolved he was unwilling to put her to shame. And that word in Greek means that he'd made a resolution in his heart. He had determined, I will not put her to shame. That's kind of neat, huh? He, he, he didn't just say what the law says I must do in a written form. He wanted to, he had to say, I have to apply that law here in a case with a woman who did not fornicate, whose child must have come from the Holy Spirit. But what do I do? Do I accept to be that foster father? And in what role? Or do I just try to hide myself in anonymity? Joseph was called 
to move forward, even if it was in the darkness with respect to the how and how he was to implement that. He knew this. And so he pondered on his bed and came to a resolution. He resolved, I will not put her to shame. And so he was of mind. That's a better word in Greek because there's two words for wanting. One is to want as if you make a decision or a decree, like I resolve. And the other is to want as if you want, you had like a, a, a um, an orientation that you were going to follow. And the first, it says in Greek that being of mind, being of resolve to not put her to shame or to put her to public spectacle. He was of mind to divorce her quietly. And this puts us right into his source of anxiety as he considered these things, you know, as he pondered them. How many of us right now are pondering these things? We're just laying there. How many times as a leader we have to ponder? I think that's one of the unsung qualities of what God's calling us to do as leaders is to have and hold anxiety. <laughs> I mean, right? Like, let's just trumpet this for a second, right? Because if our ability to maintain tension bespeaks what we call a tinsel strength, right? It, tinsel strength is that ability to have the metal of soul to withstand the withering onslaughts of adversity. Here Joseph is showing us incredible tinsel strength, incredible metal. He's withering under this huge thing his whole life and the greatness of God. And he's looking at the Old Testament for solutions and he's pondering in his heart to try to find and understand what God wants and he's praying to his God. Here we find Joseph living that anxiety and embracing it and not running away. Ha <laughs> ha. What a light this is. What greatness this is God's calling us to. Do not run away from anxiety. Do not try to hide behind other people's excuses. Do not try to hide behind uh, facile answers from people who come up and say, I'll solve your problems for you. We need to say, this is my ship. I've been commanded to command it, steer it by God. What course will I take? And while I listen to many voices, I have to make a decision in front of him who owns this vessel. Joseph is making that decision in front of him and God comes to his help. And that prayer, that considering these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David. Amazing. He, he speaks to Joseph's royal lineage. Joseph, go back to your roots. I have prepared you for this day. It is not for this crisis that you are called to desist. It's for this crisis that you are called to rise. As you consider these things, I'm calling upon your roots and I'm calling you by your greatness. You are a son of David. Do not fear to take Mary, your wife, as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. What a light. Joseph, you're called to summon into yourself this, to accept from the depths of who you are and in line with the, your fathers before you this incredible, this incredible mantle, the mantle of true authority, and do not steer the ship into shallow waters. You're, what you have received is from the Holy Spirit. Now act accordingly. Open your soul to the greatness of that Holy Spirit and his plan. Do not limit the workings of God. 
What a perspective this takes. If I could look at my job, my career, my volunteering, my activity and whatever it is as not just a thing for this earth, but as a mission from God, and I were to accept it as such, well, then I could indeed dare something great for Christ. I could indeed move forward boldly by taking the anxieties and the difficulties and the challenges that are a part of that world And I would say I'm here to let God's plan unfold through them. I need to be open to him in prayer. I need to carry that anxiety as if it was a part of my mission. And I need to be responsible for what God has chosen and called me to do. Owning it, my friends. This is what Joseph does. He owns it. Then it says so beautifully, he rose from sleep. And he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. Verse 24. He took his Mary as his wife. He knew her not. And then he called his name Jesus. God be praised for this. And God help us to keep that same perspective. Being called to greatness means being called to bear the anxieties that come with it. May we bear them in the full measure of what God has in store for us be men like Joseph who provide that leadership for our world today. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.